Well, good morning, beloved. I'm Jonathan Coleman, one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills. I want to welcome you. It's good to be here on the other side with you all, you beautiful, smiling people out there. Uh, We are beginning uh, a new series on February 28th as we journey through uh, Lent, and it's titled Surrender in Your Bulletin. Uh, you uh, have a Bible reading plan, and so take that with you and start as we journey together in our discipleship through a, to celebrate a Holy Lent. Well, this series has been a very wonderful series, and I hope you have seen, like I have, the depths that we can go in our prayer life with God. In week one, week one here, we talked about Uh, meeting with God, the creator of the universe, and how he wants to have fellowship with us. He's waiting for fellowship. In week two, we talked about who God is. For you see, the foundation of a deep prayer life is knowing the God to whom we pray. We learn that God is a wise counselor, joyful provider, gentle healer, loving friend, and Lord. And we can go to God and experience and have our needs fulfilled in Him. Last week's message was entitled, Help Me to Hear You. And we explored in depth how it's a two-way conversation. We just don't pray to God, but we can listen and be guided by God's voice. Today, our prayer goes outward and petitions to God to search our lives, and to help us have pure hearts and minds. I want to begin the sermon with a question. Who's sitting in your seat? Who's sitting in your seat? No, I'm not talking about who else is in your pew or chair up there, choir. I'm asking who is sitting where you are sitting. Now, You may think I've lost my mind because you say, you might say, I am, Jonathan. Well, let me ask you a follow-up question. Which you is sitting in your seat? You say, what do you mean? Well, there are actually three people in your seat. There's the person that you think you are. There's a person others think you are. And there's the person God knows you are. And some people might add, there's a person your dog thinks you are too. (laughs) So here's another question. So what if those yous were in alignment? Total authenticity. What you see is what you get, you know? How do you get there? How do you get there? I believe the tuning fork of harmony with God, with self and others, begins with a very profound prayer, and it's only two verses. Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24. Let's look at this together. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way 
everlasting. Now, my preacher mind says that's a great four-point sermon right there, and you're about to receive it here. That's a bold prayer, isn't it, though? Search me. We don't like to be searched, do we? When I think of being searched, I think of those TSA machines at the airport. You put your hands up, and you allow someone to see all the matter and tissue that is you. Even the metal hip or the metal shoulder or the screws in your arm, they can see it all. This Superman x-ray vision-like machine sees everything. Well, why do they do that? Well, it's in order to make sure something that doesn't belong or harmful materials are removed in order to protect you and to protect others when you get on that plane. I know it's no fun, but they do protect. You see, you have to trust the searcher. God wants your life to be lived in holy authenticity, true transparency before God and knowledge of self. God has spiritual x-ray vision. Nothing can block God's dynamic vision. He cannot only see through walls and buildings, he can see you, beloved. I love how Eugene Peterson interprets this passage. Investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. Give me a clear picture of what I'm about. I love that. God can do that. And it, it keeps a life, I believe, beautiful, harmonious, and in holy calibration. I believe it's a wonderful prayer to see what motivates us. What are our priorities? How do we live in harmony with others, God, and self? A couple weeks ago, I said in my sermon that God wants us to have maximum wellness of mind, body, and spirit. It's God's deep desire to heal brokenness. And we have to trust this searcher in our lives, Almighty God. You see, these verses represent a prayer of David in which he asks God to make sure he's clean when it comes to that which does not belong, particularly sin. A person who knows God truly loves God and hates sin. A person hates sin in this world, but most of all hates it within themselves. In this prayer, David is wanting to come clean with God, and he asks God to do some things for him that would reveal any sin and clean, clean the stains of his life. Let's break down this, these dynamic verses together. First, David boldly proclaims, Lord, search me. Know my heart. David goes to the heart of the problem because it's usually, it's the problem of the heart. When you pray this prayer to the Lord, you're asking God to put you under his spiritual CAT scan. You're asking him to do some open heart surgery on you. Now I find it interesting that David asked God to search him and know him 
Because in verse 1 in Psalm 39, David says, God had searched him and God did know him. Then why would he pray at the end of this psalm that God would search him and know him in this verse? Well, folks, I believe there's a difference between relationship and fellowship. Our relationship with God is permanent, but our fellowship with God is not permanent. The Bible tells us that God, that, uh, tells us God can easily have fellowship with a person that has a pure heart. And when holiness comes in, there's a holy desire by a holy God to experience that communion with us and the beautification process in that holiness. You see, this communion with God comes from a heart becoming clean of all obstacles removed through the cleansing of sin and washing of the heart by God and God's word and God's own spirit. David's wanting God to bring light what he normally would try to hide from everyone else, and that is his heart. As you know, the heart is the most powerful part of the human body, a little bigger than a clenched fist. But listen to this. A heart can expand and contract 70 times per minute in the average person, pumping an average of 1,500 gallons of blood in a day. In a lifetime, the heart pumps enough blood to fill 13 super tankers, each holding a million barrels. But the heart is not the only engine that keeps us alive. It's at the very core of our being, the center of who we are. We feel it right here in the core, don't we? We say things like, my heart has dropped into my stomach, or my heart is broken. And it goes right here, and our hand goes over our heart. Why does, God, why does David ask God to search his heart? You see, the Bible says that our hearts can become evil. A scripture this week in the Bible reading plan came from Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But then listen to what verse 10 says. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. Even to give every person according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. You see, no camera can uh, snap a, a, a snapshot of your soul, of your core spiritual heart. That's something only God can do. God can search our hearts and make our hearts beat in alignment with his will. And that's so beautiful to have. There's freedom in that. When David wrote this psalm, it was said that David was a man after God's heart. But over time, David allowed his heart to become corrupted when he started moving into his kingship. No matter what kind of facade you put up on the outside, it's your heart that determines whether or not you're truly right with God and even truly right with yourself. And it makes your soul free when that takes place. Next, David makes an interesting plea. He says, test me. Know my anxious thought. You see it? David goes from the heart to the mind. David is saying to the Lord, show me any thoughts that carry me away or carry uh, me out of your fellowship, O God. 
You see, just, it's just as important to keep your mind clean as it is to keep your heart clean. Jesus said the greatest commandment was to love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength. And there's nothing wrong with a one-track mind when it's fixed on the Almighty. James 4.8 says, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Did you know that the mind is more powerful than the body and determine the quality of your life? You can be sick in your body. But if you've got a healthy mind, you can have a productive life. Yet you can be an Olympic downhill skier, but if you've got a sick mind, you'll have a sick life. The Caring Institute put it this way, keep your thoughts positive because your thoughts become your words. Keep your words positive because your words become your actions. Keep your actions positive because your actions become your habits. Keep your habits positive because your habits become your values. Keep your values positive because your values become your destiny. It all begins with the mind. We don't, always, we don't always like to reveal what's on our minds, do we? Especially if it's negative or if it's embarrassing. David really digs in deep here with saying, God, show me my anxious thoughts. Sometimes I believe God brings tests into our lives to try, to try us, to show us where our anxiety and fears are, that we might put our trust in him even more, even when it's hard to admit we don't hide our fears, our anxieties, or our worries. We need to let those be exposed. Let God expose them. Reveal them. That he might deal with them. And therefore fix our faith and focus back on him. That's why the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, Cast all of your cares, your anxieties on me, for I care for you says the Lord. What are your fears? Allow, allow God to search there. Trust the searcher with your fears. The next part of this searching prayerful plead is David desires to see if there's any offensive way in me. And he says that. It's literally saying if there's any grieving sin within me, God, see it. David wants to leave no stone unturned. He wants no attitude or action to be present in his life that would cause pain to his Lord or grief to other people. Again, David wanted uh, God to put him under the knife and to cut out any sin cancer that might be growing in his life. And the Bible testifies about when David's heart became corrupted. Power went to his head. And it caused him to totally out, uh, act out of character. To make a long story short, and you can read about this in 1 Samuel, this corruption caused his life to commit adultery with a married woman named Bathsheba. She eventually became pregnant. He tried to cover up the pregnancy by ordering Bathsheba's husband Uriah to come home in order to sleep with his wife. Uriah did not because he just couldn't, he could not bring himself to enjoy the comforts of home while his comrades were at war sleeping in the fields. 
Uriah was a faithful soldier to David. But David sinned again and sent Uriah to the front lines of the war to be killed, and he continued to cover up. David thought it was all done in secret. However, God, God got involved. God got Nathan the prophet involved as well. Nathan knew the the precise details of David's sin and Nathan went to David and told him a parable about a rich man who took a poor man's only sheep and killed it even though he had many flocks on his own. Now David, a former shepherd, was so angered by this story which he thought was true, he responded, he said, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Nathan then pointed to David and uttered those searching words, convicting words, you are the man. It says that David was cut to the heart. His sin was exposed. And we have the words that he wrote in his repentance his desire to become clean. Psalm 51. Let's look at portions of this, this psalm that David wrote. Have mercy, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear and gladness... Let the bones you have, have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. When I pray these prayers, it's so cleansing. It's so cleansing. It's one of the most heartfelt uh, repentance words in all the Bible. Like I said, David was cut to the heart, and he only knew one way was to come back to God and to come clean with God. God doesn't want us, my friends, to live with offenses still lingering in our lives. God desires for truth to come into our existence, and God couldn't let David's sin abide. When David saw his sin and his brokenness, he basically pleaded, I want you to reveal anything that is in me harmful, anything that's wicked, anything that's hurtful, because I want to be right before you and before others. Come, God, please cleanse my sin. You see, my friends, we have a convergence of Psalm 51 and Psalm 139, and it's written by the same man. And this man knew the power of allowing God to search his life and come into his brokenness and heal that brokenness. And we see the truth in these Psalms that there's healing when we say, when we pray, Lord, if there's any wicked way in me, I don't want to run from it. Hide it excuse it or justify it i want to know it and i want your help to get rid of it have your way you know i was working on my sermon and it it, the funny thing is it reminded me of when you go to the dentist (laughs) 
At the dentist, there are expectations, you know. Hopefully, there's thorough polishing and flossing done, and then there's scraping away of plaque by the hygienist. There may be even x-rays taken, and that's fun. And the dentist comes in and does some more scraping, and there's more thorough examination of, of everything that has to do with your teeth and gums. And you know what I thought about it? There's a partnership with a good dentist and dental hygienist. You would be alarmed if you went into the dentist and there was no polishing or brushing or scrubbing or scraping. And they just said, you know what? We peek in your mouth and they say, oh, you're good. You would be like, man, i got to go another year? I'm thinking my teeth are going to decay. I'm susceptible to gum disease. Folks, I don't know about you. But when I go to the dentist, I want the whole nine yards. I want x-rays, polishing, rinsing. I want that suction thing to, you know, I want the flossing. I want the dentist to poke around in there and ask me questions while he has my mouth open and his hands are in my mouth. And they're all in there. I want that kind of partnership with that kind of searching and dental care. And that's what David is saying here. Examine away. X-ray me. Get the plaque out of my heart. Polish, wash me. Scrub my soul. Suction out the dirty. Pull out anything that is wrong, oh God, and show me the way to keep a clean life before you and others. Boy, I don't know if there's any dental hygienists or dentists here. You might run up here and join the choir right now, eh? <laughs> This is all about having the good Lord search. Come into any offense, heal it, and forgive it in the name of Jesus. It's a partnership with a mind, body, and soul cleansing. Next, David beckons God, Lord, steer me rightly. Lead me, God. Lead me in the path that leads to everlasting life. Guide my steps. Keep them on the path of eternal living. Beloved, when God searches you, it's for your own benefit, my friends. When you experience God's grace and forgiveness, it frees you from the chains of sin and leads you into a life that God has always wanted for you. And that life is steered by the hand of God. And that life goes into the eternal to be with him forever. And it's the best possible life that you could live in that assurance. And it casts out the fear of death. You know, my friends, it's the best life. God wants to do a work in you that is so powerful. An eternal work. And you trust eternal life in him. And we trust in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. This past week, Eric Wilson, our worship leader, and Pastor John Ferguson were having some conversations related to this. Eric read some things that God was teaching him through his journaling, and he shared these thoughts. He said, the more we know our sin, the more powerful the cross. The more our sin dies the more powerful the resurrection. 
If we have a generation of believers that do not know their sin, we have a generation that does not know the cross. If we have a generation, oh, excuse me, this creates a generation that cannot be alive in the resurrection, a generation that cannot walk in the Spirit, a generation that will not receive the good news. You can't live again until you die to sin first. That's so real. Are we really dead to sin? Or are we just tolerating it? Allowing it to linger? Because we don't let God search us. When we refuse to do so, it, affects, it has effects on both of our individual lives and, and on the lives around us and, and even in the ministries of the church. Eric said this, And if we aren't dead and risen again, can we be vessels of revival? Should we even ask for revival? Do we even know what we're asking for? Revival in our lives at its core is repenting our sins after we have allowed God to search us and turning our hearts to the Lord completely and living in that freedom. It's giving ourselves fully to the work of God in our lives and in the work of the church. It's surrender. It's recognizing our brokenness and receiving God's healing. It starts with a simple prayer, my friends. God, search me. And allowing God to work. Last week, you took some time for guided prayer to ask what God likes about you. This week, we'll look at the opposite side and ask God, what things in me are not aligned with your will? In these moments, I want to take you into some guided prayer to pray through these powerful two verses. Let's pray together. Search me, God. Know my heart. Show me things that are not aligned with your will. Show me. Test me, O God. Know my anxious thoughts. Search me and my fears. Search me, O God. See if there's any offensive way in me.
Lord, steer my life. Lead me in the way of life everlasting. Lord, forgive my sins. Heal me in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.